Welcome everybody to our Aliyah Day. I am, as always, glad to be with you as we are gathering here to study the Parasha, Parasha Balak. We're in the third Aliyah today. This is the third day of the week. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful week. And it's going to be amazing. So glad that you are here. We are on page 859 of uh, the Art Scroll Chumash. The Book of Numbers, the Book of Bamidbar, chapter 22, the third Aliyah begins in the 21st verse. We're reading the story of uh, Balaam, who has been summoned by Balak, who has fallen prey to his uh, base desires, and now he wants to travel uh, to go and curse the Jewish people. The uh, <coughs> Balak sent him a bunch of uh, dignitaries with a bunch of money and a box of Lucky Charms, and said, come with us, we want you to uh, come and curse these people. And so Balaam, because he actually hates Israel, because he's jealous of Israel, was all too eager to go. So let's read the third Aliyah, and glean some insights from it, learn from it, and uh, help, uh, use it rather, with God's help, to build our character, shall we? Let's do it. The 21st verse Balaam arose in the morning and saddled his she-donkey and went with the officers of Moab. God's wrath flared because he was going. And an angel of Adonai stood on the road to impede him. He was riding on his she-donkey, and his two young men were with him. The she-donkey saw the angel of Adonai standing on the road with the sword drawn in his hand. So the she-donkey turned away from the road, and she went into the field. Then Balaam struck the she-donkey to turn it back on the road. <clears throat> the angel of Adonai stood in the path of the vineyard, a fence on this side and a fence on that side. The she-donkey saw the angel of Adonai and pressed against the wall, and it pressed Balaam's leg against the wall, and he continued to strike it. The angel of Adonai went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn right or left. The she-donkey saw the angel of Adonai and crouched beneath Balaam, and Balaam's anger flared, and he struck the she-donkey with his staff. Adonai opened the mouth of the she-donkey, and it said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you struck me these three times? Balaam said to the she-donkey, Because you mocked me, if only there were a sword in my hand, I would now have killed you. The she-donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your she-donkey that you have ridden all of your life until this very day? Have I been accustomed to do such a thing to you? And he said, no. Then the, uh, Adonai uncovered Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of Adonai, which by the way is Malach Adonai. The sages bring down that this is just an angel, but we actually see whenever we have the angel of Hashem that is mentioned, this is uh, actually uh, Memtet. This is what we would say uh, was Mashiach being represented here. So anyway, it says, um, he saw the angel of Hashem on the road standing with a sword drawn in his hand, just like the angel, quote-unquote, of Hashem, who appeared in front of Yehoshua, Joshua, also holding the sword. And he bowed, he bowed his head and prostrated himself on his face, so he fell down and worshipped before this angel, which means it must be something more or someone more than just an angel. Verse 32, the angel of Adonai said to him, from, 
For what reason did you strike your she-donkey these three times? Behold, I went out to impede, for you hastened on a road to oppose me. The she-donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. Had it not turned away from me, I would now even have killed you and let it live. Balaam said to the angel of Adonai, I have sinned, for I did not know that you were standing opposite me on the road, and now, if it is evil in your eyes, I shall return. The angel of Adonai said to Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I speak to you, that I shall, that, that shall you speak. So this angel of, of Hashem is actually speaking in the first person as if it is Hashem. So clearly we're not dealing here with just a normal angel. We're dealing here with Memtet. Because he's telling Balaam. He did not say to Balaam, go and say what God had said. Go and say what Hashem would tell you. No. He said, go and say what I'm going to tell you. Just like God who said to Balaam before he even left, go with these guys, but only speak what I tell you. <clears throat> so it says here... Um, and it says, uh, So Balaam went with the offers of Balak. Verse 36. Balak heard that Balaam had come, so he went out toward him in the city of Moab, which is the border of Arnon, which is the edge of the border. And Balak said to Balaam, Did I not urgently send to you to summon you? Why did you not go to me? Am I not capable of honoring you? And Balaam said to Balak, Behold, now I have come to you. Am I empowered to say anything? Whatever word God puts in my mouth, that I shall speak. That's the end of the reading of the third Aliyah. Let's look at some insights here and uh, glean a few things as we're going through uh, the sources. I left off yesterday uh, talking about the very important concept that most of us uh, don't realize um, let's see, where, I'm trying to find this here in the Rabbi, where I left it off yesterday in Rabbi Monk's uh, writings. Let's start here, in verse 18. <clears throat> it says in verse 18, um, Balaam answered and said to the servants of Balak, If Balak will give me his household of silver and gold, I cannot transgress the word of Adonai, my God, to do anything small or great. So it says here, to, with re reference to the phrase, to do anything small or great, was Balaam a prophet or a magician? The Midrash, that is Midrash Rabbah 20, affirms that he first had been an interpreter of dreams, and then he went from there to be a magician, and then later, the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, had revealed itself to him. However, it says in the Talmud, in Sanhedrin 106b, declares that he had first been a prophet and later defected to the practice of magic. Right off the bat, as I read this comment from Rabbi Monk, what it tells us is something very important about Balaam. Balaam was more impressed and more desirous of the gift of prophecy than he was for Hashem. He wanted, he wanted the power. He, he wanted to be the, uh, the guy 
They could speak a word and see it come to pass to, to operate in the power. And very often, we as human beings, and especially those of us who have a relationship with Hashem, we are very caught up in the power aspects. We really like that. We, we, we think of God's glory as thunder and lightning. This is why I have said for years, and I love to talk about Exodus chapter, th- chapter 34, where, Hash- uh, where Moshe excuse me, tells Hashem, I, I want to see your glory. I, I, I so love that passage because it's so important. In fact, I should have to say that the 13 attributes of Hashem there are probably one of the top five uh, scriptural verses that speak to me. And the reason it does is because Moses said to Hashem, I want to see your glory. And as I've said countless times, most people would say the glory of God is the prophetic. The glory of God is the is the thunder, the lightning, the, the, the tremors of the earth. It's the flashes of fire. It's, it's his cloud. And Hashem says, you want to see my glory? Fine. Here's my glory. Hashem, Hashem, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in forgiveness and love. In other words, my attributes of love and mercy and tenderness and patience and long-suffering, that's my glory. But Balaam didn't want that. Balaam wanted the magic. He wanted the sparkle. He wanted the uh, phony baloney plastic banana, good time rock and roll. Why? Because he loved the self-worship. He loved the fact that people came to him. A true prophet directs people to God. This is why a true prophet directs people to Torah. Did you hear what I just said? A true prophet directs people to Torah. Why? Because... He directs people to God. In other words, people don't need the supernatural. They need the path. The prophet may do something supernatural. A true prophet may do something supernatural, but that's not really the point. The point is not to have people live in the miraculous. The, The point is to have the people live in the Torah. Why? Because the Torah is the miraculous. So it says, we, we see clearly from an analysis of the text that Israel's prophets did not ardently run after prophecy. That's what Rabbi brings down. The true prophets of Israel did not seek to be prophets. They did not wake up. They did not say, you know what? I have a goal. What do you want to do? You know, what do you want to be when you grow up? When I grow up, I want to be a prophet. They didn't seek it. In fact, when you read in the scripture, the true prophets, and by the way, there there are no real prophets today. Not, Not like we're talking about here. There's no real prophets today. So somebody says, I'm a prophet. No, they're not. The prophets of old did not want to be prophets. They tried to get out of it. But Balaam wanted it. It says, quite the contrary, some passages show that they fled from and tried to resist prophecy, which, despite their efforts and without forewarning, seized hold of them and overcame them. In marked contrast, he writes, Balaam sought prophecy, pursued it, and used magic to draw it to him. He built seven altars and seven uh, sacrificed seven bulls and isolated himself. He failed to realize that the sacrifice which is accepted by Hashem is the one that is offered for the purpose of coming closer to Hashem. This is why, my friends, Torah surpasses prophecy. 
It's better to be Torah observant to be a prophet. Now, all prophets, all true prophets are Torah observant. But my, the point being is the, 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 the real desire we should have is to, glo- is to rather come close to Hashem, to draw near to Him. In contrast, Balaam's sacrifice was meant to bring about Hashem's descent and have him come closer to Balaam. When people seek the gift rather than the gift giver, they're getting everything backwards. They want Hashem to come to them rather than them come to Hashem. This is the point of sacrifice, by the way, in Judaism. The point of sacrifice in Judaism is not to... um, uh, uh, to, I'm sorry, to, to, to extract something from us, that's the word I was looking for, to cause us to give up something. The purpose of sacrifice in Judaism is to draw near to God. That's what the, very, the word means, korban. The korban means to draw near. It says, Rabbi Hirsch teaches that when in Balaam's third prophecy, he finally realized that Hashem wanted to uh, wanted Israel rather to be blessed, he stopped using the magic. For then he saw, that is, as it says here, and I just want to include this because it's a very common phrase in Jewish thought, the veil fell from his eyes. As I have said multiple times, there is absolutely nothing, not one thing, new in the New Testament. Everything is from Jewish thought to include veils falling from people's eyes. It says also in Rabbi Monk's commentary, Balaam uh, could not win. It says his attraction to the magical arts was stronger than his belief in Hashem. That's, again, going back to what I was just saying. He was more attracted to the show, to the fluff, to the laser lights, to the fog machine. He really, you know, something that people used to say about Balaam is that when he showed up to the congregation... He spent most of his time at the uh, Hebrews coffee bar getting a blueberry scone and a cup of coffee. He really liked that. In fact, that's why he came. If they didn't have that, he would not have been there. If the coffee bar was closed and the blueberry scones were cold or they're out of them, he didn't even show up. He was more attracted to the magical arts. He was more attracted to the show. He was more attracted to the gift than he was to Hashem when they said, hey, listen, we're glad you're here. The blueberry scone is why you're here. The coffee is why you're here. The laser lights and the fog machine is why you're here. But that was just a trick to get you here. All of a sudden, how about this? How about you follow God? He said, I'm out. Because he didn't really want to grow close to a sham. He just wanted the show. This is the problem with the bait and switch, by the way. Because the problem with the bait and switch is we never get to switch. Because if we switch, and people leave because there's no bait. It's a big lie of the enemy. So it says, and so Balaam died in the same year. He was 33 years old, and he died as a magician. Isn't it interesting that we have Balaam, who's, who's so a picture of so many things. But in this case, we're talking about the uh, the age at which he died. He died at, at about the same age that Mashiach left this world. 
So in this way, he's like the anti-Mashiach. Whereas, whereas Yeshua's goal to us, Yeshua's message to us, was to draw near to God. That his purpose with all the miracles he did was to draw us to Torah observance. This is why, my friends, it is so insidious for people to teach that the Messiah's message, Hasve Shalom, God forbid, was to do these mighty miracles to teach us that we no longer have to follow God's Torah. Because God's Torah is God's will, and it's to follow the Torah is to draw near to Hashem. And if we teach, God forbid, that the Messiah came and did all these great miracles to lead us away from Torah, we're teaching that he is Belam, Hasve Shalom. We're teaching that he is the Belam who actually wanted to lead us closer to the magical arts and away from the true path. But in fact, that's not true. Belam, it says, was far from being a prophet like those of Israel. He tried to lead the Israelites into atrocious debauchery, whereas the prophets of Israel always summoned the people back to holiness and mitzvot. This is a true statement, which you see throughout the word of God. You can't deny it unless you're just willfully blind. Every prophet who's ever lived, including the final prophet, which Yochanan the Immerser, they always, 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 each and every time, led the people back to holiness and mitzvot. Every time. There's not never been a prophet who's ever lived who took the people away from Torah. Never. And many of them gave up their lives. They suffered greatly in order to fulfill that calling. And in fact, the Bible makes clear, especially if you read the book of Lamentations, as we've been studying, that it was always the false prophets who told the people, don't worry about it. Don't have to worry about the mitzvot. God loves you. God has grace. Don't worry about it. Yeah, God does have grace, but grace is not to the exclusion of his Torah. In fact, Torah is grace. You know why? Because boundaries are grace. Parents that love their children provide boundaries. You know why? Because boundaries provide security. They provide clarity. They provide maturity. They provide growth. And parents that don't love their children don't provide boundaries. And what happens? CPS comes in and takes their children away. My child can do whatever they want. I've met these children. You know where I meet them? They're behind the bars in the county jail. Children who grew up with no boundaries. Children who grew up with no direction. Many of them are in jail. Some of them are in jail physically, some are in jail spiritually. Nevertheless, they're all behind bars. It says, what a contrast there is between Belam and our patriarch Abraham. The one compelled to praise an enemy nation uttered praises that ultimately led to debauchery. Whereas Abraham, instead of wanting to curse his enemies, stood before Hashem and pleaded for Sodom and Gomorrah. 
Now, God said in verse 20, Arise and go with them. And this is where we left off yesterday. God said, Arise and go with them. It says, If Adonai told Balaam to go, how is it that he became angry with his, debar- de- his departure? And the Talmud gives the answer. A man who is led in the path, excuse me, a man is led in the path he wants to follow from Makos 10b. If we continue to resist Hashem, my friends, God will eventually let us go. He'll let us go. You say, I don't want to follow Torah, 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 I don't want to do God's will, I don't want to do God's will, I want the blueberry scone, I want the coffee, I want the laser lights, I want the big show, I like it, I like the skinny jeans, I like the untucked shirt, I love it, I love it, I love it, I want it, I want it, I want it. God will let you do it. And you say, oh look, we're having great success, everything's wonderful, it's so amazing. God says, it's still not me. It doesn't mean he's happy about it, but he'll let you go in it. And this is a Jewish concept that Hashem will let us go, and as I said yesterday, One of the most dangerous things that we can do is, God forbid, be be led in our own way, in our own devices, and we're walking in spiritual darkness, but we think it's the light. That's scary. It terrifies me. And somebody said, why are you scared? You know what? There's sometimes it's good to be scared. And what terrifies me is that I might be walking in my own devices and my own weakness and my own, uh, this is what I think is right, and in fact, it's just darkness. But I think it's light. Which is why I strive in my personal life to be guided by God's Torah, because I don't trust myself. And you shouldn't either. Because someone says, well, God knows your heart. You know the Bible says about the human heart? That it's utterly wicked. Yeah, God knows your heart. He knows it's utterly wicked. 100%. So, I was saying that several times we have references in the apostolic letters that prove that the apostles believed in the validity of the oral law. And most people don't know this because they don't know the oral law. They've never been taught the sources. We just read that the Talmud says that a man is led in the path he wants to follow. That is from the oral tradition. That is from the rabbis, rabbinics, the Pharisees, those, those rascally Pharisees that everybody says that God hates, except for the fact that Yeshua was one of them. And then we read in the book of Romans chapter 1, and I'm going to begin reading Paul's uh, letter here in verse uh, 21. It says, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, it says in verse 24, Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their own hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator. Because of this, 
God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed indecent acts with men and received in themselves the due penalty for their perversion. Are we not seeing that today? Wow. But twice, Paul in his letter refers to a well-known rabbinic thought in codified in the Talmud that if we continue to resist God, he will eventually give us over to our own desires just like he did with Balaam. He told Balaam, don't go, but Balaam, oh, I know you said don't go, but you know, did you really mean don't go? Like when you said don't go, was that like don't go now or I could go later? <laughs> right? Because, you know, God changes. Like before you didn't want me to go, but there might be a new dispensation right now. And so now I can go because before you didn't want to, but at some point the dynamics change your mind and now I can go. And God says, just go. Just go. And we think, oh boy, he's given me permission. God is, quote, leading me this way. No, he's not. He's letting you that way. There is a big difference between God leading us and God letting us. And my friends, we don't want to be on the letting side. We want to be on the leading side. You say, well, how do we know if God's leading us? It's very simple. He provided us a very easy and simple solution. It's called the Torah. This is why he calls it a path. Just stay on the path. You know, it's like the rangers, and I brought this up at the, uh, at, at the drosh on Shabbat. It's like the park rangers. If you stay on the path, you won't get lost. The people who get lost, get off the path. It's very simple. It's so simple. And I'm sure, I don't know for, for a fact, I've never talked to anybody about it, but I, I can imagine that when people get lost on these national parks, the rangers probably just shake their head. Like, how can you get lost? It's a path. You just follow it. And, and believe me, my friends, as a teenager, my dad and I, we used to go uh, hiking in all the national parks, Sequoia, uh, Yellowstone, um, Yosemite, all, uh, Rocky Mountain. We, we did them all. And we did the overnight camping. It was I loved it. That was my thing that I loved to do as a, as a teenager. So we've, I've been there. I know, I know what it's like. I would, Grand Canyon, all of it. And so you can imagine that the, the park rangers are probably exasperated. Now they've got to go get the helicopter. They've got to get the, maybe the dogs. They've got to get the, the horses. They, they, they've got a, thousands of hours of manpower. Why? Because they got off the path. And we wonder, I don't know what God's will is for my life. And there's a path right there. But we don't want the path. Why? Because we really don't want that will. Let's just be honest. Well, there's... Uh, more to say about this, but we're kind of running out of time. I wanted to talk about Balaam's donkey, but I think I'm going to reserve that for tomorrow because I'm not sure if I have enough time. Actually, that's not. Let me let me say, let me uh, share this right now. The long the donkey saw. By the way, Balaam got up and he was so excited to go curse the people. He loved the Lucky Charms. He wanted them. He loved that uh, that box of cereal. 
And he wanted to go curse these people so bad that Balaam, this great prophet who was so amazing, got up and saddled his own donkey. Instead of sending his servant to get the car, he went out and got it. Why? Because he was so on fire to curse God's people. This is in contrast to Abraham, who also was a great man and had many servants. But God told him to go sacrifice his son, and he got up and saddled his own donkey. Whereas Abraham was motivated to go perform a mitzvah, and Balaam was motivated to go perform a curse, that's the difference between the two men. The question becomes to us, what motivates us? Now the donkey saw the angel, and Rashi points out, quoting the Talmud, or excuse me, Rashi points out rather that the reason that man can't see into the spirit realm like this is because it, we would go crazy. And here's why. The Talmud in Barakot 6a says that if the full power of vision were given to man, no one could live because of the visibility of spirits. Abaye remarked that they are more numerous than we. And Rabbi Huna went even further, pointing out that each of us has thousands of them on his left and millions on his right. Why thousands on the left and millions on the right? Because the left represents uh, the evil side and, and the right represents the good side. There are a thousand angels to our left, but there are a million angels to our right. That he, God, this reminds me of, of Hashem that said that I bring the curse of iniquity, uh, the, the, or excuse me, I bring the curse on those who have sinned to the third generation, but, but I love to a thousand generations those who love me. And so we are surrounded, my friends, by angelic host. End of our Aliyah today. Tomorrow I'm going to be speaking about more about the donkey. It's very, very um, good insight about that. But because we are out of time, we are going to reserve that to tomorrow and for the fourth Aliyah. I want you to have a beautiful day today. I want you to have a joyful day today. I want you to have a happy day today. And I look forward to seeing everybody tomorrow with proverbial bells on. Thank you for joining us. Please, please, please like this video and share it. And that way you can be a light gathering the sparks. Shalom and blessings.